You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we talk about the Bengals' final camp style, air quotes, training camp style practice before they start kicking James and the rest of the media out 30 minutes into those practices right after they finish stretching and warming up. There's some injury updates that we're going to start with as Zach Taylor addressed the media after that final training camp practice. And Some other players were observed not to be practicing. Taylor gave some updates there. And finally, the final preseason game is upon us. And as I suspected, I think, James, if not for Joe Burrow's injury and them getting him onto the field to sneak him on the field for a drive, this would be like the old preseason week four. It's going to be roster battles for the end of the roster. Darren Simmons has some things to say about some of the special teams roster battles. So that's where we will finish. But let's start with a bit of bad news, unfortunately, Joseph Osai, as feared, is is feared to be lost for the season. Zach Taylor saying after practice to a group of media gathered on the practice field that it is feared and it is trending in the direction of Joseph Osai being out for the season. However, and we talked about this in our 53-man roster projection a couple days ago, James, they're not sure if they're going to put him on the IR right away or if they're going to wait until that cut down to 53 that comes after preseason game three. So still some decisions to be made, but it doesn't look overwhelmingly positive for Joseph Osai, who has had that knee surgery. No, I I was there. He's going to be out for the year. Zach kind of, he says things, even Kelsey, who's new to the beat uh, on the inquiry. She was like, he said he expects him out for the year. It's likely. And and it it is like they, they expect and, and Joseph Asai is going to be out. So I would expect them to put him on injured reserve. Now, they don't have to do that today. They can wait and, and decide, you know, is it going to be Noah Spence? Is it going to be Darius Hodge? What do they do at defensive end? Does that spot, Osai's spot, go to somebody else? But I would be shocked if they don't put him before cutdown day on injured reserve. And this sucks, right? This is awful because you had this kid flash in his first game, uh, a preseason game where you were looking for some kind of push, some kind of pop, at the the edge position and you got it from the guy that you drafted to do it and what a a beautiful sight it was unfortunately we're not going to see that again until next season but the the good news is is he's expected to make a full recovery and uh and i i think this is the other positive jake if he was going to be out for the year let's know now Let's not find out in October when you are, you you know, you do have to start the season with him on the roster and it could potentially cost you one of these guys if he was going to be out for the year. And obviously it sucks that he is. I'd much rather know now than three weeks from now or two months from now. That way you can move on. You know, he's not in the fold and he can focus on recovery. Yeah, it does potentially make their cut down a little bit easier. It makes their roster selection of 53 players a little bit easier because they have this information. It is unfortunate, though. There's no real way around that. Uh, One of the Twitter followers, James, asked, what makes him different from Dante Moak? You might remember Dante Moak from 2000, I think, what, 11? Uh, Hyper-athletic edge rusher from Nevada. And it was an earnest question. And so I, I went and, and looked at a couple things. For one, Joseph Osai, much larger 
He's he's a couple inches taller. He's got a longer wingspan. He weighs more. And he's also younger than Moak was coming into the league. I think Moak was 23. Osai just over 21. So that's the other good news for Osai. He has plenty of career ahead of him. It's always a shame to lose a promising rookie. And Bengals fans are all too familiar with this feeling. At least it wasn't the first round pick this year. Again, we'll knock wood. But uh, Osai will look forward to his future. The good news, again, another piece of, of good news, I guess, if we're looking for it is when you do repair the meniscus, as long as that takes, and they'll know pretty quick if that takes or not, it should have a solid recovery. There, there shouldn't be long-term concerns that this is going to be a degenerative thing because they did the repair. If they just cut it out, then you worry about, okay, seven years from now, maybe you have early onset arthritis. This is a problem for Dwayne Wade, who's putting off you know, his knee replacement surgery as long as he can because he had his meniscus cut out. So they repaired instead of cutting it out. Joseph Osai's meniscus, so long-term prognosis should be good. On the positive end of injury updates, we'll sandwich a positive one in the middle here. Cam Sample returned to practice for the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday. It's Thursday as we record this episode. And that's good news because without Osai, Cam Sample will be relied upon to play perhaps more significant snaps than was initially thought and the Bengals probably need to do more to bolster depth here. If especially if I guess they don't believe in Darius Hodge being that guy or Noah Spence being that guy, but a good note for Cam Sample returning to practice off of that, as Zach Taylor called it, minor shoulder injury. For sure. Because now Cam Sample's role is that much more magnified and you need to get him out there and get him snaps at the same time. And I do think he's going to play on Sunday. Zach didn't confirm it, but it, he said it was trending in that direction. That being said, you, so you want to get him just experience because now you're banking on him a bit more. At the same time, you got to clear the decks, and we'll get to it in segment three for all these other guys that need to get out there. And so the fact that he was able to get another practice in, hopefully he can go through Friday's practice, which more of a walkthrough, uh, and, and then we can go from there. But uh, certainly a good sign because when you saw him walk off with the shoulder injury, on Friday in Washington, it was like, not another one, not another one. And uh, the good news is, is it doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah. If he can play this weekend, that's obviously a good sign. And if he does play, we'll see how much he plays. And that might give us an indication of how this staff feels about him. Is he one of the rookies that needs to get a lot of reps like Jackson Carmen, like Deontay Smith, where they need to play the whole game? Or is this a guy that they feel is ready to be a contributor and they want to get him to that regular season healthy more than they want to get him reps? couple other injury notes from practice. James Trey Waynes has a hamstring injury as suspected. Zach Taylor did say it's the opposite hamstring. I'm not sure if that's good or bad. It could indicate something else is contributing to hamstring injuries for Waynes, but I think it's probably a good sign that it's not a lingering hamstring. So that's the Trey Waynes update. It's unclear as to whether or not he'll be ready for the season opener revenge game against Minnesota. And the other notes are... DJ Veter and Darius Phillips had what Zach Taylor called maintenance days on Thursday. Don't sound the alarm. Sounds like these were planned off days, veteran kind of days for these guys. T Higgins had a mini maintenance day. He was somewhat limited, but again, it sounds like this was by design to get him some extra rest. And tomorrow, when you hear on Friday that Joe Burrow doesn't practice, it sounds like that is also planned again, just to get Joe Burrow some rest and maybe some work, some extra rehab work. Coming up next, James, let's wrap up the final practice that you were able to observe in full. Another strong day 
for the offense and certainly some flashes from the defense as well as things seem to be trending in the right direction with the regular season around the corner. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals. Nine delicious flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate. And whether it's the double chocolate, the mint brownie, strawberry, orange, maybe cookies and cream, they have something for everyone. And the best part isn't the fact that they taste great or that they're good for you. It's the macros, right? So define good for you. Well, low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein. So it's a perfect post-workout snack, midday snack. You can take it with you on the go. So go there now, BuiltBar.com. Check out all that they have to offer. And when you go to make that first purchase, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I really hope the coconut almond brownie thing comes back soon. I've been missing that flavor of Built Bar. I'm ready to get that (laughs) back in my life. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk final training camp practice here, James. We discussed at length Jamar Chase's drops and how we shouldn't necessarily be concerned about them. But, you know, obviously you'd rather have your wide receivers catching passes. He had a drop, a couple of drops, I should say, in that first practice after the game. We've talked about how we got extra work in with Troy Walters and Troy Walters can still move so well. And on Thursday... The final practice that media will be allowed to attend in full. Jamar Chase had another great day of practice. He did have a drop, but you might remember me saying, I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago, that wide receivers drop passes. You're not going to be upset about drops if he also has five catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. And his stat line on Thursday in the team part, part of practice was roughly one drop but five catches for about 100 yards and a touchdown. And you're pretty happy with that. No doubt about it. So let's start Let's start with the negative. Let's get the drop out of the way. It was in the, the first 11-on-11 session, a slant, hit him in the hands, and, and he dropped it. Uh, the good news is he recovered quickly. Now let's get to the five catches. And I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll give a quick breakdown of at least four of them that I remember, uh, including the – the, the best deep ball I think Bengals fans have heard about because my Twitter is blowing up from tweeting about it. Um, but uh, his first catch of the day came before the drop, and it was almost like a deep curl route where he was um, beyond – he got beyond Shidobe Awuzie, but it was before Bates was able to get to him. And it was a really well-thrown ball by Burrow. I'd say around 20 yards. And so it, it felt deep because it was on the far side of the field for us uh, as reporters, but it wasn't you know a 50-yard ball or anything like that. Then you had the drop, and then I, I think the 11-on-11 period from a, a team standpoint or a first-team standpoint was almost over. But then they came back to him the very next 11-on-11 session. Burrow hits him on a back shoulder, a woozie in coverage on all three of these plays. And it, it just got him moving because the, the next time he went to him, uh, Chase deep ball, first deep ball we've seen, Burrow, it was a good throw. It allowed Chase to to run under it and hit him in stride, but Chase had to adjust and track. And we haven't seen much of that, right? We've talked about that a lot. The fact that they haven't gone deep a ton, well, that's starting to pick up a little bit this week. And Chase uh, tracked the ball well, caught it, and uh, it's one of the rare times he was going up against Mike Hilton. And the reason I want to point that out, Jake, is because the Bengals are moving 
chase all over the field. I mean, and, and I've talked about it a little bit, but he's playing in the slot some with Boyd on the opposite slot and you got Tate and Higgins on the outside. I would expect to see that a little bit, uh, you know, in the season over, maybe a lot of it, depending on what they do, what they run. But uh, yeah, it was a, a great day for Chase. He had a couple catches in the two minute drill too, including a nice one on the sidelines where he was able to get both feet down. So he looked uh, he looked really really good. Looked like that playmaker. Looked fast. Looked explosive. And I just think he's playing his game. And whatever changed, maybe the light just flashed. You know, the, the switch turned on. But uh, it, it appears to be on because he's getting plenty of separation on all these routes. It's not like it's contested where there are guys on his back like he's getting you know a, a yard or two uh, on each of them and uh whether it's the curl whether it's the deep ball plenty of separation for chase which is good especially when he's having these little drop issues as he's fighting through that you want as uh minimal of, of contested catches as you can do uh, and get the more separation the easier it should be for him well and separation has been a knock on Jamar Chase. You think back to yeah. the the people that would argue against drafting Jamar Chase, the people who didn't have Jamar Chase as wide receiver one in the draft, for example, the biggest criticism was often he doesn't separate at the college level. He's just running by guys at times because he's more athletic. He's bigger. He's faster. Can't do that in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. Sure. He was 19. I mean, what, what do you, what do you, what do you want? Do you want a perfect route runner at 19 years old who's also a freak athlete? Because I'm pretty sure those guys don't exist. The, the ones where the technique <laughs> tends to be refined at 19 years old and, and you tend to have the more detailed and nuanced route runners, that's because they need to do that to survive and to get open. The guys that are freak athletes like Jamar, and you might question his 40 time, whatever, he, he can jump out of a building. And so you know the explosion is there. They they tend to sometimes take a little bit of time for this to come along. And it said sounded like from what we heard about his year off that he was starting to develop this. And we're seeing that continue to develop now with the Bengals, with Troy Walters, with Joe Burrow, and starting to run the routes away that they need to be running the NFL. And that's the key. It, you've mentioned Troy Walters a, a couple of times. And there's been multiple occasions in the past week, but certainly throughout camp where Troy's like, no, Jamar, I wanted you to do it like this. And we talk so specifically about Frank Pollock in, in you know, master of the mundane, right? And that's a word that, you know, a phrase that all these offensive linemen are using. Walters has been on chase and chase takes the coaching and uh, even in between drills or special teams, he's either talking with Walters or catching passes from a quarterback or a trainer or something. He's always doing something. But I think Troy Walters is very particular about the route. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if you see so much progress from now until the end of the year because of all this work he's going to get in with Walters and refinement. Because talking about a guy that played in the NFL, just like Pollock, right? And, and we've heard how these offensive linemen respect Pollock. I think that these wide receivers, same thing with Troy Walters. I I, I see it every day in practice, and I, I just – because the receivers are right in front of us usually on the media side, and I think he's uh, he's doing a hell of a job with these guys. Not only did Troy Walters play, but he played at like 5'7 or something, however tall you are. So the uh... – the, I think he might be shorter than me. He's faster. <laughs> he might be shorter. <laughs> so the, the the point is at that size, you probably, you think back to like the, the short successful receivers in the NFL, they tend to be very good at their craft. They tend to be very refined. They tend to have the technique. 
Of course, for Bengals fans, the easy one to think about is Hawkins and the way that he moved with suddenness and, and with precision. If he's teaching that to these guys that are much bigger receivers, I mean, look at the way T Higgins, you remember there's that highlight of T Higgins uh, breaking off a, a double move, I think against Awuzie early in training camp. And I mentioned like, man, he gets low. He gets so low for a big man and starting to teach these things to these bigger receivers. I know Jamar's only six and a half, uh, six feet and a half inch or whatever, but uh, you, you start to get that technique in these guys that are really good athletes and have the big bodies. Then that's when you start to get the very complete players in the NFL. And I'm excited to see Jamar in a couple of weeks. I guess we'll see him maybe for a drive against Miami. Uh, some other practice notes, James. Sounds like Joe Burrow generally, not just on these balls to Jamar Chase, had a very good day. Uh, it sounds like there was a, a number of high precision throws, including, you know, Tyler Boyd. It sounds like Auden Tate had another spectacular one handed catch. And, you know, Jesse Bates is out there with the pass breakup. So a lot of positive notes for a lot of guys. And that's what you like to see with the last training camp practice and the last preseason game just ahead of us. For sure. There's, there's no doubt that Joe Burrow and I wrote this at, at all Bengals. Like I was thinking back to last year in the camp practices and how they went. And it was like, Joe Burrow. Oh man, he killed it today. And then the next day it was like, huh, it's kind of bad. Not that he threw a bunch of picks or anything. It was just kind of off. And early in camp, he had an okay day. And then he had a bunch of bad days and we talked about it and it was well documented, all the pocket stuff. Well, there hasn't been really that many bad days. Like Sunday was kind of a bad day. Uh, he threw three picks, but then when you look at the picks, one was the, the Jamar bobble drop that ended up being an interception. Another one, I, I think Uzama didn't come to the ball essentially and allowed Von Bell to cut him off. And so it looks bad. And, and, and then he threw one, but outside of that day and numbers wise, it's bad. I can't really remember a bad Joe Burrow practice over the past couple of weeks. Like he's been just either solid or great. And uh, Dan Horde highlighted one pass to Tyler Boyd and he had a great angle of it. He posted it on Twitter and it was just a teardrop where it was perfect, where no one else could get it. Boyd streaking away from the ball, away from uh, to the right, uh, the right side. Yeah. Yeah. To Burrow's right in Burrow, just perfect anticipation. It dropped right in. And Boyd made a great catch. And look, he he looks he looks the part. So hopefully he can uh, hit the ground running on Sunday and just get, you know, a couple completions, maybe a quick Evan McPherson 67-yard field goal. And we can uh we can get all these guys out of here and watch Austin Seibert and uh in the backup offensive lineman and Brandon Allen play. <laughs> Nothing would make me happier than an Evan McPherson. 67 yard field goal. Well, I can probably think of a few things, but that would be very, very exciting. <laughs> I, I gotta say, uh, good stuff for Burrow. Good stuff for Tyler Boyd. And, and that's what you want to see from Joe Burrow is showing that feel for the game that he had as a rookie. That was so impressive. Everybody remembers the throw that Joe Burrow puts over the middle for Tyler Boyd, who is oh, yeah. getting grabbed and going across the field and Boyd realizes and and Burrow feels that Boyd's going to stick his foot in the ground and come back to the ball. And as soon as Boyd gets off that defender, the ball's in his hands. I mean, it's on him. And so when you start to see these perfectly placed footballs, especially on routes to the sideline, this is something that PFF noted he was incredible at. PFF Seth, Seth Galina, has noted that he was he missed maybe one 
in week one. And the rest of the way, he was fantastic to the sideline. And what you're going to see most likely from Burrow, I believe, in year two is you're going to see him get better in the middle of the field. You're going to see him get more confident in the middle of the field. And then you're going to see that's where the potential leap in productivity comes from is being effective to all parts of the field. We'll talk about what Darren Simmons had to say. He talked about his kickers. He talked about some of the special teams battles, Evan McPherson and Austin Seibert, all those things as as we prepare to watch preseason game three coming up next. Football time is almost here, and you know what that means. It's bet online time. Look, bet online is your number one spot for all things pro and college football. So you got the latest odds, including NFL comeback player of the year odds, where Joe Burrow, last I checked, had the third best odds of winning that award. Or maybe you want NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year because you're buying that Jamar Chase stock after what has been a great couple of days of practice. Well, you can do that and so much more at betonline.ag. So you can head to their website or use your mobile device right now and receive a 100% welcome bonus with promo code Locked On. Plus, you can take advantage of their opening day super promo where you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th NFL season opener between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is going to be refunded up to 25 bucks. That's for new customers only when signing up and use promo code NFL100. It's free money. So do it now. Again, go to betonline.ag and use promo codes locked on and NFL100. James, I'm so excited for the regular season. But before the regular season, we do have the final preseason game to talk about. And Darren Simmons talked about yeah. this, I think, and had some interesting things to say. He talked about it at length with reporters today. Uh, I know Mike Petralia had a lot of the quotes on his timeline. Sounds like Petralia was fascinated with some of Darren Simmons' answers. And this is the elder statesman of the coaching staff, obviously, in Cincinnati. He's been there for what feels like two decades. is about two decades, I think, at this point. And he knows, he knows what he's looking for in his special teamers. And the first thing that maybe we should talk about here before we talk about the roster battles that I think will largely be decided in special teams is he really praised his two kickers. And we heard Zach Taylor talk up Austin Seibert as well. You know, get that uh, trade market ready to go. You got two, he said, two fifth round kickers, both of whom are, are kicking really well, but it does continue to sound like and nothing has changed that Evan McPherson will win the job. But like you said, James, I hope we see a lot of Austin Seibert making a lot of field goals so that one of these teams, uh, it was mentioned that the one that I forgot the other day was uh, the Patriots where Nick Folk is dealing with an injury apparently. One of these teams desperate for a kicker Mm -hmm. is going to come get that former fifth-round pick in Austin Seibert. I would love to see that happen. For sure. And and it doesn't really matter what. Like If you can get a seventh-rounder for Austin Seibert, you take it and you laugh. Right. I mean, this is a guy you claimed because you were desperate last year and you needed a kicker for Thursday night football. And he was their only option. And he just kind of hung around and he got a shot when Randy Bullock, you know, his calves all the way cramped up. And, and that was it at the end of the year. So <laughs> I'm being funny. Kind of what a joke that was. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, anything you can get for him, you take. But here's the other scenario. And I do wonder, let's say Austin Cyber misses on Sunday. You know, misses a gimme, misses an extra point or misses something where NFL teams look and they're like, Psh, not really interested. And so when the Bengals, let, let's say they move on from him, they're going to Evan McPherson's going to win the job. Would you keep him on the practice squad? 
Because there's still the COVID-19 stuff. There's still, you know, would you do that? Because I, I think it might be worth it. I could definitely see that being something that's reasonable. We'll see. I mean, I think some of the guys I thought might be offensive, defensive players going to the practice squad may not be around. Maybe they'll be cut. Maybe they're, maybe the Bengals aren't interested. So we'll see. I, I think that predicting the practice squad is often very difficult once you get past, you know, the first five or six players on each side of the ball. And with the expanded practice squad rosters, it only gets a little bit harder, but, but sure. I mean, you, you bring up some good points with the COVID protocols and the, you know, you could have a kicker become unavailable at any time. Maybe like a quarterback, you want to have that extra kicker. Yeah. And so that that's just another scenario, but obviously trading him to me, trading him would be, uh, such a home run, but uh, what, what, a lot of what Darren Simmons had to say today, um, th- one of the biggest things that stood out was his praise, and you mentioned this, it certainly caught your eye, for Darius Phillips. Yeah. Really praised him, and w- I think we knew that Phillips was explosive, but they were worried about his hands and how sure-handed he could be as a punt returner, and even though he was out for a maintenance day on Thursday, Simmons seems to think he's reliable. Now, we'll see. We'll see how this impacts things, but this idea that Trent Taylor is going to be the reliable punt returner, uh, I don't know if they are that worried about that spot at this stage right now as we sit here and record today. I mean, I think every NFL coach is going to want backups to play, you know, punt return, even if it's punt returner, right? You're, you're only returning, it's oh, only like sure. five snaps a game. You want a backup punt returner. You, you Just like you want a backup slot receiver, even if Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase are going to get all the reps if they're healthy in the slot. And maybe, you know, like you said, they're moving Jamar chase around. So if, if when Tyler Boyd needs a break, they're going to bring Auden Tate in and move Jamar to the slot, then fine. That, then maybe that, that slot guy, if it's Trent Nerwin, if it's Trent Taylor, doesn't matter. It, it is going to be interesting. I think the Taylor versus Irwin versus Morgan battle will certainly come to a head in this game against Miami. We'll see if any of them can find production as receivers. We'll see if Stanley Morgan gets additional reps in the slot to see if they're looking at him as a backup slot guy on this team. Because to me, Morgan has a clear leg up on every special teams aspect of his game outside of the act of returning. But there's a bit of a conundrum there, right? Because you do need a backup return man. You also need starting special teamers. And they probably feel like they've got some guys that can do it. Sounds like Darren Simmons' hands might be tied a little bit with perhaps some of his special team starters, not among those that are playing, but he's going to play the guys that he has available to him to figure out if any of them should be starting special teamers. And we've seen, you know, Akeem Davis Gaither potentially is, is the personal punt protector. Now, Brandon mm-hmm. Wilson is going to be on the punt team. You see Stanley Morgan on the punt team. You see uh, Jalen Davis on the punt coverage team, perhaps an indicator that these guys are on the roster and and back of the roster spots. But we've also talked a lot about how crowded the roster is and Darren Simmons will have very challenging decisions to make. And one of the biggest ones I think really is Trent Taylor, Trent Nerwin. and, And you put Stanley Morgan in that group too, because Taylor, when they signed him, you and I agreed, this makes a ton of sense from a punt return perspective, from a backup slot perspective, and then he's gone out and done nothing. And and people keep asking me, oh, I don't care. He, you know, he's got the experience. Who, who needs Trent Irwin? He'll make it to the practice squad. Probably true. 
but could also be true for Trent Taylor with the new practice squad rules that allow you to have veterans on the practice squad. And I, I think it's going to come down to who shows more. Now, Trent Norman did have a, a fumble, if if I recall correctly, he, in Thursday's practice. Yeah, he had a fumble uh, oh, in, in, the, in practice. I'm trying to remember if he had a fumble. I, I feel like I saw something about I a think fumble he did. today. I think he did. I, I, yeah, I thought you were referring to the, the Washington fumble, which obviously was still a fumble, even though they called a penalty. And, and there's some mitigating factors there. And Zach Taylor talked about it. You get hit in the head. You know, you go a little woozy. You might drop the ball. And that, that's why the penalty was called. But yeah, you, you'd like to see him hang on to the ball. So maybe there's some ball security concerns there. And that's why this is still an open competition. Because Irwin has, in the games anyway, clearly outproduced Trent Taylor. And so Taylor will have to show, I think, quite a bit this weekend to try to separate himself. And Simmons talked about that. He said at a number of positions, a tight end with these guys, Thaddeus Moss and uh, uh, Mitchell Wilcox trying to make their name on special teams and these wide receivers as well. They got to separate themselves so that the coaches can make a decision here that will be largely predicated on how they play on teams. Maybe they should call Jamar Chase since he was getting so much separation on Thursday. Okay, I'll see myself out. Uh, anyways, yeah, I think <laughs> I think um, it, it's it's going to come down to Sunday for a decent amount of these guys. Like you said, to me, you're right. Trent Taylor in the games hasn't done much. In practice, I've seen it, and I just think he's a really good route runner. I think he could be this plug-and-play slot if you needed him. Do they feel that way about Irwin? Well, he's made a lot of plays in practice as well, and now we're seeing him as a punt returner. So that's going to be a really interesting battle. It's a tight battle. Here's what I do know. I think Mike Thomas is this team's wide receiver five. I know there's been some speculation there. As far as tight end, it's anybody's guess, to be honest with you. I I think that Thad Moss – is the best receiver of the bunch. I think he could certainly make an impact there if they needed him to, but that's not who they're picking. You're right. Special teamer. Who's going to be the best special teamer? Shrek has the size. Wilcox is kind of a hybrid of both where he, he has some size, uh, but but also can catch and had all those uh, co- college records or university records uh, at USF, which you know wasn't crazy numbers, but they were really good numbers for USF and, and being a tight end there. So it's a, it's a battle. And I would be surprised, Jake, if by the end, and I know I keep bringing up practice squad, if two of these three guys aren't around, maybe it's Thad Moss on the practice squad. Uh, you know, maybe it's Mitchell Wilcox, but I think two of these three at least are going to be around. And who is the third guy that actually makes the team? Cause I think it's only going to be three. I don't think they're keeping four tight ends A wide receiver. We could see seven. I don't necessarily think I would go that route, but you could see seven or six. Um, but but to me, I, I think it's three tight ends. I don't really think a fourth is is really going to be something they consider. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. I don't think a fourth is is in consideration, considering who they're they're picking between, right? And how tight we've we've called this roster so far. When we did our fifty three man look, it was very difficult to find the cuts, and that was with. Only three tight ends we, we anticipated making the roster. One last note here before we wrap up. One thing that is is a problem for Trent Taylor that we should watch this weekend is he's, he's smaller. And it's not as much of an issue in the slot. But the reason I keep looking over here to my other screen is I've got his, his combine measurements. Five, seven and a half, 28 inch and three quarter arms. Trent Irwin, six, one, six, one and a half or so, uh, 31 inch arms. So taller, longer. Uh, 
obviously production and the ability to return punts and the ability to run routes and all these things are factors. Trent Taylor has an NFL track record before injuries came along and he can be productive, but the size also will matter a little bit and could be another distinguishing factor there. If all else is equal, you might just take the bigger guy, but that's just not how it works. Things generally aren't all else equal. And that catch radius has shown up in practice. There's been Mm -hmm. times where Taylor's outstretched arms you know, I, I posted one, a clip probably two, three weeks ago, and he almost one hands it, but he's way out here doing it as, as you look on YouTube or, you know, his arms are away from his body. If you're listening on uh, any other platform, wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, it uh, that is that is something that, you know, you have to take into consideration because if he's not going to be able to make up for it with his route running and his speed, his health. Well, then maybe you do go with Irwin, who has made plays. So it's it's one of the many, many battles, Jake, that we'll get to reflect on and discuss on Sunday night. Yeah, we haven't talked at all about Jacquez Patrick either. We'll talk about him for sure. We'll yep. talk about, you know, how is Eli Apple going to play in his first appearance? Does Jalen Davis continue to stand out? Does Darius Hodge continue to stand out? How's Noah Spence? going to be in his debut tons of things to watch how are the guards going to look mike jordan jackson Carmen, are they going to continue to take steps forward deontay smith getting back into preseason action these are all the things that we don't have time to talk about in this episode but we certainly will talk about when we review the bengals final preseason game on sunday night that's going to do it for this episode of the lockdown bengals podcast we will be back to recap the bengals preseason as they play their final game on Sunday. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one.